Grant, we beseech the Almighty God, that like as we do believe that thine only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to have ascended into the heavens, so we may also in heart and mind thither ascend, and with him continually dwell, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. I remember quite well when the full weight of the ascension fell upon me. I've related it to some before. Uh, By that I mean that it dawned on me the significance of the ascension in the story of the gospel, in the saving work of Jesus. I had, like probably many of us, thought about the ascension as one of those almost awkward transitions along the line. There are places... Churches where they use hymns just for the purpose of getting people from one place to another. You know, once the clergy have gotten into the sanctuary, no matter how many verses there are, you stop because you've done what you were supposed to do. We're more inclined to think about hymns as part of the the teaching apparatus of the church and to have a very specific place, uh, role, uh, part to play in the whole. Well, when we deal with the ascension, there's often that Awkwardness of just where does it fit? Well, we've got to get from the resurrection and Jesus alive here and get him back up to heaven with the Father so the Holy Spirit can be sent. So we've got this business of the ascension. It gets a little bit embarrassing for some to think about, well, what did it look like? What happened? I've had people say to me, well, do you really believe he was just standing there talking to them and then suddenly he's floating on up into the clouds? Well, On one hand, that seems a little bit strange to imagine, and yet the biblical story sets us up in that way. You know, that they're talking with him and he's taken up out of their sight. They don't just say, oh, well, I guess Jesus must have gone up to heaven. We don't see him anymore. No, they're standing there looking up. And the angels, the two young men, speak to them and say, men of Israel, stop looking up. This Jesus will come again the way that you've seen him go. But this isn't the time. Go and do what what he's told you to do. There is a sense of the bodily going up. And it's a critical part of the story. A little bit stranger to imagine. And we're inclined to say, well, we're scientific age. We know that heaven isn't up there somewhere. When the astronauts flew on up, they didn't go by Oh, well, there are all the saints. Uh, The bodily nature of things. On the one hand, that's the more embarrassing, the more awkward part of it. And yet, what really struck me is that it's the most critical part of it. For what it's telling us, how exactly these things look and how God works them isn't always as clear, but what he's doing is really important. The resurrection itself was a bodily Resurrection and the gospel writers go to great pains to show us that. You know, Jesus was really and truly with his disciples. It wasn't just a, a spiritualized event. In fact, he wanted to say, Look, look, see the wounds. Come and handle me. I've commented on that before. He's not saying just touch, there's something solid, but he actually says, Handle me. Feel, there's bone under the flesh. A spirit does not have flesh and bone, as you see, that I have. He's really and truly present, and yet 
it's not what went into the grave precisely because this is the resurrection body. He won't suffer and die again. What went into the grave was the mortal body. What's been raised up is immortal, is eternal. It's solid, but he joins them in the locked room. The doors are sealed up. He comes and goes from them. What's really important is that we have in mind that it's not less than. When we talk about the idea of kind of floating on up into heaven, the disembodied spirits, we set up a heavenly realm that's kind of less than we know here. But what we're talking about is so much more. A bodily resurrection points us to the fact that this is what we were created for in the beginning. Adam and Eve weren't made there in the garden to die. The death comes with sin. They're meant to grow in holiness, to be with God. I don't know how all that works. What we know of the mortal flesh is all we've known. You know, that which crumbles into dust when we die. Things decay around us, but the heavenly glories become ever more alive. That's what we were made for. That's what we find in Jesus raised from the dead. Well, what goes up to heaven? His spirit doesn't leave his body and float on up. It's not kind of a, 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 an intellectual event that's going on. I've read the, the commentators who want to tell us that the resurrection was really just the disciples getting together after Jesus died and saying, you know, we feel his presence with us. When we gather for prayer, he must still be alive. That's not what the gospel writers give us. That's not the testimony of the church. But likewise, what goes up to heaven is the full humanity. Catechism of the Catholic Church describes death as being the separation of soul and body. There's a disintegration that takes place at the fall because of sin. You know, it's kind of like like when the glue starts to get old and in a joint somewhere and things fall apart, it dries out. That there's this disintegration of the person. What we, what we look for in that resurrection life, again, go back to our creeds. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The body, the full person is raised up. What goes up? To heaven, what returns to the Father as Jesus goes up is the full humanity. You just notice that during those 40 days after the resurrection, he comes and goes. When the time comes for him to ascend, well, we don't know where he's come and gone. Well, we know where he's come. We don't know where he's gone during that time when he's not with them. But we do know that when the time comes, he doesn't just disappear. And send a message back, oh, I've gone back to see Dad or whatever. He is with them and he's taken up. It's a very clear word to them of what is going up. Well, if he's gone up, that's the way that he's preparing for us. Go back to the fall again. In the fall in in Adam and Eve, our first parents, there's a loss of that integration, of that eternal life. It's not that all of their descendants are punished, as it were, that because Adam sinned, then God is still angry with the rest of us, but they lost 
If you like, they lost that glue that holds things together. They lost that eternal life. And so all of the generation thereafter, they can't bequeath that anymore to us as the generations go by. Which means that as things come to be restored in Jesus Christ, as we come to have that reintegration of the whole person in his resurrection life, the language of the New Testament is that in order to see, in order to enter into the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. You need a new birth. You need a new beginning. You need a new generation of God because you need to be reborn and remade in him. The new creation that we too might be raised up. And where is he? And there's the language. He's at the right hand of the father. Now, I can go with the idea of watching him bodily go up. I don't think that we have to imagine then heaven as being set out in that formal way and the son standing at the father's right hand, but the image of the right hand. We think sometimes of the standing, sometimes of the sitting. It's the place of majesty. But I'd like to go back again to something of the image at the Last Supper. The beloved disciple is described as the one who reclined on the breast of Jesus. I've pointed out before that this is they're not sitting in the straight-backed chairs. They're reclining in at the table, and the one who is on the right hand is reclining towards the breast of the one on his left. John will be at Jesus' right hand. It's the place of honor, but it's more than that. It's the place of intimacy, of deep friendship. What's the description of the heavenly realms being in the bosom of Abraham? And it's always for me that same kind of picture. This is being in close, being in his embrace. To be at the right hand of the Father is not just the position of authority. It's of that intimacy. It's being gathered into the Father's heart. There are different places through Scripture where we've got that image that that comes up when worth well reflecting on. You know, the, the heart, the mind, the will of God being gathered into the fullness of his love. There is the Son, but were we born of God in Jesus Christ? We become the body of Christ. And ultimately, where he is, we are to be also. And the wonderful way that the things of the gospel go, as we are in Christ, we already have, as it were, one foot in the heavenly realms. Paul will write to the Colossians that because... We've been raised in Christ that we're to keep our minds on that which is above, where Christ is seated with the Father. That's actually not just to be that we spend all of our time looking up to heaven and longing to be there, but it is to be the perspective from which we view everything in our lives, everything here on earth, to know that perspective, to be with him. My sense of the full weight of the ascension falling upon me was with that just, I actually spent a whole evening, I was doing an apologetics course, and I just spent kind of this evening just being amazed by this thought, our full humanity being raised up in Christ. The fullness of the ascension is that we already have that place prepared at the Father's right hand, in the Father's very heart. 
that the fullness of what we were created for has been fulfilled in Christ and will be fulfilled in us as we have that new life in him. May you know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe, according to the working of his great might, which he has accomplished in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come.